Okay, good evening everyone. Welcome to our evening Dhamma session. We come together to practice and to reflect on our practice and to learn more about the practice. That's what it's all about. Many different kinds of learning. We're learning theory, how to practice technique, and we're learning we're learning about reality, learning about ourselves, how our minds work. Of course, a question that often comes up is why are we practicing? It's a question that might come up during your practice. Why am I here again? Sometimes we have superficial reasons. Sometimes our reasons change as we practice. It's common for people to practice meditation thinking it's going to be a quick fix, that it'll be calming, peaceful. It'll allow us to control our unruly minds, maybe even experience something profound or spiritual like having visions or maybe we'll have ecstatic feelings some people even gain even practice meditation to gain magical powers or super mundane experiences like seeing heaven or seeing hell or seeing angels or ghosts people many people practice Hoping to remember past lives But all of these are It's difficult to maintain the desire to practice Because all, many, many of these uh, Or most of these Reasons for practicing aren't, aren't very practical They don't They don't have a profound impact on your state of mind, your contentment they aren't fulfilling and reality doesn't allow for satisfaction or fulfillment through these various ways and so it's it can be quite disconcerting when the meditation is Stressful or unpleasant or unamenable to your wishes. You wonder why am I doing this again? So, the first reason why we're doing this is for purity. We're practicing because we feel bad about various things about ourselves and our attitude, our behavior, and so on. We feel that we could be, we could improve. 
Sometimes we downright hate ourselves. But most often we just feel self-conscious or we have self-esteem issues that are often based on reality that yes, we're not perfect. We have problems. There are problems about us. I know we're often taught to ignore these or to accept these or to think you're perfect just the way you are. No, in Buddhism we're not. We're not of that sort of bent. It's understandable if you don't have a, a, a solution for your problems. If you don't have a solution for your uh, inadequacies or your failings, then it's uh, it's reasonable to think, well, maybe the answer is just to accept them and love yourself the way you are, right? I mean, it sounds good. It sounds nice to think, oh, phew, I don't actually have to fix these problems, right? It'd be nice if someone someone could just tell you that you're okay just the way you are. And unfortunately, I'm here to tell you you're not okay just the way you are. We've got lots of problems. But that's okay. You know, I'm here to reassure you, not that it's okay to be that way, but that we've got solutions, that there is a way, there is a path, there is practice that can cultivate purity. Meditation is so powerful. When you're really in the present moment, it changes you. It's like shining a bright light into the darkness. You're able to see many things about yourself that were previously hidden. You see how you react. You see how you get upset. You see how you crave, how we crave so many different things. Food, music, beauty, entertainment, romance, sex. Our cravings are diverse and intense. And we see this about it, we, can, we see how our mind works. More importantly, we see that the things that we cling to and the things that we dislike, you know, talking about this last night, but see that they're not worth clinging to. Our purity comes from this knowledge, from this learning. It doesn't come by forcing your mind to be peaceful. Purity isn't about just purity of mind. What do we mean by purity? We have these this list of seven purifications. We certainly don't mean bodily purity or even purity of actions. But we don't even stop at purity of mind. We're not content just with a pure mind because a pure mind is a momentary thing. The Buddha talked about the purification of a being or the purity of a being. And by that he meant 
not just that your mind is pure at any given moment, but that you have cleansed the potential for impurity to arise. You have changed yourself so that you no longer give rise to impure mind, to impure thoughts. To And by impure we simply mean that which causes suffering for you and for others. That's a very practical reason So we can be more perfect right? Something that We might we might have disbelieved Before we started meditating and Think that you can't actually fix Anything about yourself That we're stuck with our personality Then you meditate And you realize that our personality is changeable And it's always changing It's constantly um, Shifting According to our habits The second practical reason is Is to overcome mental illness So it's related to purity But specifically referring to Mental illness And illness we mean in a very um, Literal sense We're ill We're sick you know, Sick is maybe Sounds a little too harsh, but uh, illness in Buddhism, mental illness in Buddhism is any sort of disturbance, any sort of um, sadness or depression, anxiety, anger, addiction. All of these are considered to be mental illness. Now we're talking about the, the states of mind that cause great anguish, great suffering. States of mind that are, are a lack of peace that are, are that take us away from peace. So if you have an anxiety issue, or if you have a an ang if you have anger issues, or if you have addiction issues, it's the issues. If you're depressed, depression is a big one. These are all related to the purity of the mind. If your mind is pure. These are the benefits, is that you purify and you free yourself from mental illness. A third practical reason is to overcome suffering. You know, the pain that you experience. I mean, it's more likely that you're thinking meditation is very painful. Is very painful. It's unpleasant. There's a story of this monk who was meditating, and because he was, he, there were these bandits who were going to kill him, and so he broke both of his legs uh, with a big rock and said, "Look, I'm not going to run away. Just come back in the morning. You can take me away then if you want." And he meditated on the pain. Overcoming pain is, um, I mean, it's important to understand we're not trying to escape suffering, not directly. The attitude of wanting to be free from pain is problematic because it's based on aversion. That's sort of the catch that we find ourselves in regard to suffering. The less, the more you don't want to suffer, the more you suffer. And so overcoming pain is 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 
affected through mindfulness, not because mindfulness makes the pain go away. Because mindfulness stops you from being upset or changes the way you look at pain so that you see it simply for what it is. There's nothing wrong with pain. We find we're so in, caught up with bad habits, really, that so many things cause us pain. I mean, loud noise will cause you anger and stress and suffering. Bad food, or un, you know, the kind of food that you're not keen on. Smells, heat and cold, you know. It's a little bit cold, it's a little bit hot, and quite unpleasant for us and the question is why is it unpleasant and you start to investigate meditate through meditation of course using mindfulness you start to see that there is no good answer there's no reason why pain should make us upset or cold or heat or hunger or thirst or good smells bad smells there's no reason for us to be atta attached or averse aversive to anything that's a very powerful thing that we can overcome pain. It's something that society tells you you can't overcome. The only thing to do is if you go to see the doctor and you tell them you have pain, they give you a painkiller, as though they could kill the pain. I suppose technically they can, they kill the pain, but they can't kill the aversion to pain. In fact, it only makes it worse. Another practical reason is it helps us find the right path. You know, the path in Buddhism isn't about becoming a monk. It's not even about becoming Buddhist. When we talk about finding the path, we mean doing whatever you do mindfully. Finding mindfulness. The path is the path of mindfulness. What that means is you really don't have to change anything about your life intentionally. You don't have to make all sorts of decisions. You don't have to have the right answer. I got a phone call today. I was talking to someone about uh, their life, and they said, boy, I wish the Buddha had given more explicit instructions about how to live your life. But that's the thing is... is there is no correct answer on how to live your life. I mean, you're living your life no matter what. The, the question is how, you, what choices you make, what decisions you make. And so we have this question about technical issues, which decision should I make? And that's not really what's important from a Buddhist perspective. The right path is when you make decisions mindfully. Because if you're truly mindful, you can't possibly make a decision for the wrong reason. If you're truly mindful, you see as clear as possible about the situation. Your mind is pure. So your actions, your decisions are not based on selfishness or aversion. They're not based on addiction or attachment. They're not based on delusion or arrogance conceit, they're based on on wisdom, they're based on kindness, they're based on compassion they're based on things that actually bring happiness to you and to others, that actually bring peace 
based on mind states that are actually good for you. And the final reason, which may seem somewhat impractical, but is perhaps the most practical, is meditation is to realize Nibbana or Nirvana. Meditation is to help us let go. And the mind sees again and again what it's doing wrong. Eventually it says, oh, I better stop that. And when it sees again and again that the things that we cling to are not actually worth clinging to, then it lets go. And when the mind lets go, this is called nirvana, nibbana, the cessation of suffering. And the mind enters into, doesn't even really enter into, but it stops entering, you know. Seeing is an entering. Hearing is an entering. We enter into the we enter through these doors to see, to hear. And then the mind sees enough and is, is clear about seeing and hearing and smelling. And has this true clarity about the experiences, about the doors of the senses. Then it lets go. It sees that there's nothing worth clinging to, there's nothing worth seeking out. So it stops seeking. And with the stopping of seeking, there is no more seeing or hearing or smelling or tasting or feeling or thinking. There is the cessation of suffering. There are many good reasons for practicing, and they're all related. They relate to our state of mind. They re relate to happiness, true happiness. They relate to peace. They relate to goodness. Meditation makes you a better person. Makes us better. All better. Better in many ways. Better in terms of our goodness. Better in terms of happiness. Better in terms of health. Mental health. Physical health. Meditation makes us happy. may be hard to believe for those of you who are struggling through it, but happiness is not an easy thing, neither is peace. Our problem is that we, we're conditioned to think that happiness is something you can just have happen to you. You can get, you can buy, you can, uh, you can chase, you can find. You find happiness here, there, or somewhere else. I think it's something easy. Happiness is not easy. Happiness requires effort, requires wisdom, requires a lot of work. Requires a lot of work because we're all bent out of shape and we do things and we're inclined and our habits are set up to hurt us. We, we have habits set up that actually cause us stress and suffering and they're habitual, so it takes a lot of work. The Buddha said if you have a tree leaning in one direction, if you want to pull it in the other direction, you need a strong rope and you need to work really hard. You can't just cut the tree down and hope it falls in the other direction, because it won't. If there's an elephant stuck in the mud, it's going to take a lot of work to get the elephant out. So we're stuck. We're stuck with our attachments and our aversions. There's no question that being free from them would be good, would bring us peace and happiness. 
The only question is how much work it's going to take to do it. And so it requires patience. You know, I'd ask that all of you be patient and be patient with the suffering. And be, be patient with the work that this takes. Be vigilant, methodical, and don't give up. Because that's the nature of habits You might think, oh this is working And then give up And then let your guard down Or stop trying Because it's habitual Our, hab our habits are to be lazy Our habits are to just indulge and enjoy And indulge in our likes and dislikes But that won't make you happy That won't bring you peace So you have to fight against that habit And cultivate new ones Habits of mindfulness Habits of clarity Many reasons, many good reasons to practice And this, I think, this sort of thing gives us Sort of talk gives us clarity about the practice But it also gives us encouragement I mean, I want you to be encouraged And of course continue to practice I mean, It's a great benefit Not only to you, but to the world You're doing a great service Not only to yourself, but to all those around you When you become a better person When you become wise, you can help others. This is what lights up the world. This is what has made the world such a great place. People like you coming to better yourselves, to be a source of, of inspiration and insight and goodness for the world. So thank you all. Thank you all for coming out. Thank you all for listening, for being good people I wish you all all, su all the success in the world in your practice so thank you all that's the Dhamma for tonight you can go back to your practice for the internet if you got any questions please post them on our site hopefully some people already have well if they have I'll answer I want to clarify something I said last night that might have been a little bit unpleasant or or, or might have sounded wrong, wrong or been interpreted wrongly. I mean, I, I, I joked about how you're not being, I'm not being paid, or you're not paying me. And it's a, there's there's two points there. I mean, one is that I don't charge for this. The, the point wasn't that, hey, if you want me to answer your questions, you got to pay me, because that's not how it works. The point is that I live my life, and and I'm not. My, my goal in life isn't to change the world or answer everyone's questions um, So this isn't a, a service that I'm providing and trying to, to get some gain out of it This is just me living my life and people ask me to help them and so I help But I'm never going to help everyone And there's always a limit has to be placed But the other point I was trying to make is that you're not paying for this So there's no need to complain if it's not suiting you, if it's not what you're looking for, then you didn't lose anything. You know, all you lost is a little bit of time. Go somewhere else and find something that does please you. That was all I meant. I didn't wasn't trying to imply that somehow money is important. Are monks allowed to read non-Buddhist material? 
Yes, that's not a problem. Technical texts, not a problem. I mean, you might, you might, yes, absolutely, but, but the question is, why are you reading them? So, you know, um, a monk can learn how to build a kuti, who can learn how to do many different technical things, but it, it should be related to the monastic life or some goal that helps you progress in the monastic life. Is taxation theft if one chooses not to use public services? Is taxation theft? Well, theft is interesting. I mean, in some ways, it has to do um, with the law of the land. Not in all ways, but in some ways. Um... So, th so I, I would think that the Buddha would be the Buddha is actually, from the looks of it, he considers not paying your taxes to potentially be um, to potentially be problematic and even theft in certain instances. Like if you take something out of the country and there's export tax on that. You you are you're, you're not paying the king or the government their dues on exports, and you take that thing out of the country. He considers that to be theft. The Buddha considered that, or the texts that we have that purport to say that the Buddha considered that theft. So it's an interesting issue. Um, I don't think taxation would ever be considered theft. I don't think the Buddha would have considered to be theft. It's considered that that is owed to the government. The government makes up the rules. And I don't think the Buddha was looking at issues of trying to overthrow kings or, or so on. It was very much about trying to live within the system and, and do what he can, could to to help people to see the right way, including the government, including kings. He didn't seem to think that there was much benefit in trying to protest the system by, for example, not paying your taxes. It's an interesting issue. I mean, I don't have answers. The Buddha didn't, but there are, there are hints. And I think it's wrong to think that the Buddha was some kind of rebel, um, anarchist or something like that. The Buddha was trying to help people. I mean, just just as a matter of course, he was working with everyone to help them, but he wasn't trying, he didn't have an agenda or so on. So would he say that taxation is theft? I, I'm inclined to think not. I get where you're going. I mean, I understand that it's, it's, it's probably immoral if a king overtaxes their subjects. But I don't think tax in general is because you are part of a system, and you know that's reasonable to to believe that. Uh, I mean, I know some people don't like taxes. I'm not one of those people. I happen to think taxes are actually quite wonderful and beneficial. I like the idea of buying into a system theoretically, and the idea that everyone has to buy into it, and that you have an obligation to buy into the system and the society that you in which you live. No matter what you do um, So the question of how fair taxation is And if taxation is unfair well, That's a problem And a question of what is fair Should rich people pay more Or, or should everyone play, pay the same amount Etc, etc 
those are interesting issues but I'm, I'm inclined to think taxation is a good thing personally I live in a country where there's a very high taxation relatively high taxation rate compared to say America um, but it seems to have good results Is there a meditation for sending love and or forgiveness? Love, certainly. I mean, look up metta, the practice of metta, and I have talks on on that. Uh, forgiveness? I mean, forgiveness, you don't... It's not something you might meditate on. and It could become obsessive, but it's something that you should uh, take the time, just a few moments, to ask forgiveness and to forgive others. Uh, make a determination, I forgive those people, may they forgive me, etc, etc And of course, even if you have time, go to them and actually say it to them But it's a good thing, I mean, it's kind of a meditation to sit there and remind yourself I forgive these people It can be part of your metta practice, it's associated It's a good question And that's all. That's all for tonight. How's YouTube doing? How are y'all doing on YouTube? Lots of comments. Are you fighting? Tell me you're not fighting again. <laughs> Debating maybe. Hi YouTube. If you want to ask questions, I'm sorry unfortunately. I mean, the problem with YouTube is questions are unfiltered and there's such a range of them and I end up answering all sorts of questions and it seems to be repetitive and rather unproductive so make it a little bit difficult and then we get only the really good questions people who really need answers go on our site you have to actually log in that takes some effort and uh, post the question there and then it gets upvoted How are we doing in Second Life? Good evening, Second Life. Got people asking questions, talking. Chatting, commenting on my answers, that's good. Get some different perspectives. Well, that's all for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. I wish you all the best.